Hi, I'm Charisma O'Keefe. And I'm Angelica Yard. And we're the heart behind the Heart and Hustle podcast. Every Wednesday, we share a new episode with our listeners on topics that range from business and creativity to leadership and innovation. We also interview some of the best and brightest in the industry and spread our love of entrepreneurship all over the internet with our hashtag, BossSoHard. We're on a mission to help you find balance in your life, creativity in your career, and dollars in your bank account. So sit back, relax, and take... Hello, hello. Welcome back. May is over. It's ending. It's still March. It's May. I'm like, May is over. It's March. <laughs> that is how long this year has been. I am in May literally like i mean i don't blame you because like march is it's funny because i didn't feel like february was long enough um of course and it never is unfortunately but i felt like january and march have both been really long and i'm not complaining because i prefer like i don't like when time passes by really fast right so i'm like i'm not complaining but i'm like wow i cannot believe it's still march and i think it's really weird because this weekend is going to be easter and like my it's mind still is march like, <laughs> yeah it's like easter it's, and yeah uh april fool's day on the same day so it's like jesus coming just kidding like what right. <laughs> i don't oh understand yeah i don't ugh. these this whole let me i can rant about easter let me, <laughs> let yeah, me. I'm like, nobody wants like, to hear my rant about easter, easter podcast i don't know who like i think it's based on the catholic church right so it's um certain number of days after lent is i guess i should know palm that sunday and then it's that week after palm sunday is Easter. Yeah, I grew up Catholic, but they don't teach us really that. They just say, now it's Lent, now it's Easter, that's it. Yeah, so it's really confusing. I still don't know when Passover is. That is on Saturday. Okay, so that's a Jewish thing, not a Catholic thing. Um, but I feel like, I because it all falls in the same system, like in, in the Bible, because it's basically what it's based off of. It's based off Palm Sunday is when Jesus rode into church, Passover, I mean, rode into town. Passover is the meal that he had with all the peeps. That's kind of, what da 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 I'm like, it just. peeps, I thought you meant like peeps, like the, the little peeps. marshmallow guys. Yeah, with the, with the mic. Somebody take the Last Supper and Photoshop peeps in it. Thanks. Uh, so with the peeps in the Last Supper and then, you know, Good Friday, which people always are like, why did they call it Good Friday? Kill Jesus. But that's what happened. Jesus died on Good Friday. And so the three days he resurrected is Easter Sunday. In case you didn't care or didn't want this knowledge, that is why we celebrate Easter. I would say John loves like Good Friday because teachers love Good Friday. Because they're off. Yeah. 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 So and he like we just celebrate his birthday so march is always like a fun month for us because he has his birthday and then he has spring break and it normally falls around the same time so you know like march is always very enjoyable it's been like a long like fun-filled month for us like we pretty much like did all the birthday things and like i did my best to take as much as i could off last week to kind of like do stuff with him and we went to tusker house which is if you, if you ever do go to Animal Kingdom, just go eat at Tusker House. It's delicious. It's a whole bunch of, like, African and Asian food, and it's, like, all you can eat. I feel like I'm, I'm not even kidding when I say I feel like I'm so full. Like, I haven't been able to eat, like, a large meal since then because it is just so much food. Um, so I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I'm enjoying this month. We'll see what uh, April brings. It's right around the corner. I have been uh, debating going to Boma okay, on my actual do, like, birthday. A traditional, like, Easter dinner or anything like that. We just go out to eat at an Indian restaurant. So, like, I don't know what's, what other people do, but I'm really looking forward to going to Saffron on Sunday. We've been talking about Easter in one of the groups that I'm in um, with a bunch of the ladies about what Easter traditions are. 
I just, and so I met with my friend yesterday and we're like, what are we doing for Easter? Because <laughs> we yeah. are not good moms and good moms know what they're already doing for Easter. And I'm like, I got a basket. And when I say a basket, I mean an actual just basket from, you know, the dollar spot Target. I don't have actual Easter plans. So we'll, we'll come up with something between now and Sunday. I'm sure it won't be glorious. It's just, we do um, naturally dye eggs. So I like that process because it's more artistic and it looks a little watercolory uh to take different types of elements of nature and when your friend is a plant person and was born from i'm assuming a plant i don't care i've met her parents it's not true she was born in a tree <laughs> like fern gully <laughs> uh it's really cool to see what we can come up with the diet so i think we'll probably do that kind of sciencey stuff and maybe hide eggs and have the kids look i don't have huge easter it was a big deal when I was a kid because there were yeah. a lot of cousins. I, my child doesn't have any cousins. Yeah, I think Easter's like not fun to do by yourself. Yeah, I right? think if you're like a, like a family if of you're three, doing egg hunt and you're just like have one kid or like it's weird. Kids, no kids, it's like you can't really like do those sort of things. And I'm, I'm gonna go over on Saturday, you know, with like my goddaughter, my niece and nephew, and we're gonna do like dye eggs and stuff. But yeah, it's like I don't think we can really send them on a hunt because they're six, three, and one. One so. of them is going to win, and it's the one-year-old. <laughs> it's not the six-year-old. <laughs> and the six-year-old's going to be mad. <laughs> like, that is not a fun game to play when you have kids with that type of age gaps. It's just, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and, like, they're very competitive children. Exactly, exactly why it would not work. And she's three, so she's going to be screwed. Yeah. <laughs> she's not winning at all. <laughs> so I just, Easter is such a holiday that I don't. I understand the historic and the religious aspects and I appreciate it. And I, um, when I was in Miami, I went to the Frost Museum and they actually have this women of history uh, exhibit and it's different types of religious drawings of women who were, you know, like bad women of history or whatever from like different Renaissance painters and different eras. And it's all these women in the Bible and not like, so if you grew up Christian, there's a Bible, but they're like the Roman Catholic Bible has extra uh, chapters that I didn't know about <laughs> and so they're like talking about this, these women and are like Susanna and I'm like is there a Susanna in the Bible there is a Susanna in the like KJV regular little Bible somewhere in like Mark or Luke but there's like a whole chapter in the Roman Catholic Bible about this lady Susanna who like gets raped it's crazy it's cra the Roman Catholic Bible is crazy so I can get why people you know what's funny now that you mentioned that name I feel like I am recalling a song <laughs> that when I grew up. It, it's real like, interesting. I, I mean, I don't know about the rest of it. But I'm like, maybe we'll go to a museum. Maybe we should just museum, make it like a history. If I lived in a place that had a lot of bigger, older churches, I would want to look at that. But church is happening on Sunday, so you can't do that. Like, I would want to go and look at, like, architecture and look at, you know, cathedrals and that type of thing. But I don't have a whole lot of let me go do Easter stuff on Easter. And I'm also like doing starting birthday stuff. So I'm starting birthday stuff on Saturday with different yeah. people and I'm segmenting. You're, you'll be like three days out. Yeah, I'm like trying to get people to do, like I, I segment things because that's the way you keep friends as an adult. Um, Jesus is the only person that could put 12 people in a dinner together and they all hung out and they all showed up. I ain't Jesus. Um, I must be pretty holy then because <laughs> I had a birthday dinner with 13 people, not to brag. How many of them were children? <laughs> but not anymore, I'm too lazy. invite <laughs> like three because I'm just like, listen. yes, like it can happen. It's just, a, it's a lot of work. But Jesus is 33. That was like the whole joke about the tweet. They're like at 33, you'd never like <laughs> get yeah, 12 yeah. people like, together. Yeah. Not there yet. yeah. Jesus. I, I that, 
like a twenty. Exactly. Woman. Jesus is holy. He can get thirty. He can get twelve friends together, and they can all show up together. One will betray him, and one will deny him. But they all showed up that night to eat food. <laughs> so that's why people celebrate Passover. Long story short, just you know, Easter. I don't care about it. I should, but I really, I don't. <laughs> Like, what we're trying to say is... We just what? don't. Ugh. Yeah. It is April Fool's Day, though, and I do like April Fool's Day. I don't even like April Fool's Day. <laughs> I do. I don't like when people act a fool, which unfortunately will happen. But if you I, I think... like, like, I like when people put out, like, stories on the internet, and then they're not true, and then they get me, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, that is fun. Yeah. But it's not fun when people do stupid stuff, like, right. pretend they're pregnant and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't understand it. It's like having an April 4th birthday is great for not forgetting when your birthday is as a child because it's double numbers. And being born on an end year, like an end decade, zero, it's easy to do math. So that's the only good thing about my birthday. But it sucks being the birthday three days after, you know, April Fool's Day. And then your birthday is also the day that Martin Luther King Jr. got shot. So this is a lose-lose situation. And when it's close to Easter or Easter or falls on Easter, it's even worse. <clears throat> scheduling wise because like I said I can't have 12 people show up to one thing when Easter is on Sunday <laughs> yeah that's not gonna it work that doesn't um, work I, mine falls on uh, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend um, true but everybody's off work yeah, I could see being, being the fourth being the day he got shot not, not so fun not so I fun it's not it's not fun that's like the fact that was in our planners one year I think it was a year I actually did go to Catholic school did something happen in Atlanta like during no, that no um it, it's not like you don't really I didn't know that until I was probably in third or fourth grade but you know how you got those school planners back in the day schools weren't cheap they gave you a planner yeah like that everybody got and so it had like you know facts for the day or whatever on it and then i remember being in third grade and it was like today and i was like looking at, you know you look at your birthday as everybody does first day of school i get it and it was like today dr martin luther king jr was assassinated and it's like that's not a fun fact yeah that's not a fun fact at all especially the whole school is gonna read that like, exactly exactly that. and it's always my birthday always fell during spring break uh traditionally so also i just i'm never gonna be able to get the passover together i'm not jesus i'm not somebody's gonna be on spring break i have friends who are teachers so somebody's gonna but be out of what? town then maybe nobody betrays you and that that's the trade-off you're not wrong i i won't be crucified so that, that too that's, <laughs> that's a good one it's a good so. Hey, so enjoy your easter let us know what other entrepreneurs passover Passover, your Good Friday. Enjoy your Good Friday off. If you're taking it off, go to the beach. I will be going to beach on my actual birthday. Enjoy your Good Friday because we won't be recording till after that. Well, we record before. Recording Tuesday. I lied. Just kidding. We'll record on Tuesday. Um, but you don't know because this is all fake timeline to you anyway. I don't know why we're talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're speaking to you from the past. From the past. Hashtag back in the day. Uh, our guest today is someone who I met at WordCamp two years ago. She's super awesome. I think she just came. I don't know if I came up to her or she came up to me, but we, we met in the hallway. And because I had a baby, it's always a good talking point. Um, and I don't regret it. I feel like I've <laughs> I've had a really good conversations with Christy and I'm really respecting and enjoying her company. And she brought up some really awesome points. I have so many notes. I have three pages of notes. 
from yeah, our I conversation. Like I honestly, like, ask another like twenty questions. So good. I just when I get when we get an entrepreneur who cares as much, like, just has strong values. I think that's all it is. If you have strong values and you really stick to them. It's really fascinating to hear somebody talk about how they implement that into their business. So it really is. It's a good episode, guys. So enjoy and tweet us and Instagram us. I'm gonna put in the Instagram stories literally right now as soon as I find it. Chrissy's uh playing card from working at Miami. We they have cards that are like Pokemon cards, so I'll put that in there so you guys can see what she looks like because she's a cute baby deer. (laughs) And that's it. All right. Enjoy. Okay, guys. Welcome back. We are here with Christy of Caldera Forms and many other things. I actually met Christy two years ago at Work Camp New York, and she was doing something completely different. And now the past, like, year and a half really has been super crazy and different for you. So could you tell us, our listeners, about what you do and a little bit about your background and how you've gotten to become a partner at Caldera. Yeah, totally. Um, that's so funny that I met you at WordCamp New York because we were working on Ingot then. Yeah. Which we stopped working on um, just because we had a little bit of time, limited resources, and we wanted to allocate them to the right place. But the team for Ingot was also my current business partner, Josh Pollock, and I. Um, and we were just sort of like trying an offshoot, so to say, of what Caldera Forms was. So that's funny. I haven't thought about that in a while. And then that's twice in this week that I've just seen reminders of Ingot talking to you. And I also just like saw a sticker somewhere. I was like, oh. what? How do you have an Ingot sticker? Right? <laughs> um, so that's really funny. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess... The way that I got into that was um, I started out by making a WordPress blog um, and that escalated quickly as <laughs> in I wrote one blog post trashing the um, beloved quarterback of the Florida State University, James Winston. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that got... Um, 180,000 views over two days and like death threats. (laughs) Of course. Right? And I was like, oh, of course, you know? So when that happened, um, that, you know, that fizzled out quickly, but what didn't fizzle out was like, I was now using WordPress, right? And um, from there, I had um, started an organization back when I lived in Florida that um, worked with uh, teaching young adults personal finance. And um, that's still a cause that's really close to me. And um, so the website used WordPress. And so it just became this thing that I was constantly working with um, until while I was working and um, going through graduate school, I met my current business partner, Josh Pollock, who at the time had just started Caldera Forms and was still working full time as a freelance developer, um, back end engineer. And, um, you know, from there, we sort of would talk about just like, 
you know, it's not easy running a business, right? right. Um, and, you know, he's a really good person, a good guy, and so we just sort of stayed in touch. And um, talking through that um, was how we started thinking about Ingot, right? And started thinking about how WordPress and business and marketing um, and social good can all come together. And um, we worked on that for a while, um, but we were stretched so thin. Ingot was a really ambitious project, and Josh and I want to get back to it. Um, for those who don't know, Ingot was um, an automatic A-B testing tool that was WordPress first. Yes. Ingot's still a thing. People still use it. Um, and, um, <clears throat> You know, it was it was a pretty ambitious project. Um, so Josh said, you know, like we have Ingot. This is kind of hard without the right resources. Um, but we also have Caldera Forms, right? Which like you know has like thirty thousand users. Um, it's kind of chugging along, right? And we could really use some serious firepower behind this. And so we said, okay, right? And um, that's how I started working on Caldera Forms and the other Caldera Labs projects, right? Like eventually um, the sort of mishmash of different projects that Josh and I had, right? Like he had like his freelance work. I had my freelance works. I was now building WordPress websites for other people, um, whatever. And, you know, and it all just kind of came together under one business. And um, that's how we got to today, right? And it's funny that I met you um, two years ago. All of that was still under development. There's been a lot of roads there. I've worked several different jobs doing, you know, social good slash WordPress um, in the meantime. And it's not until um, last June, June of last year, that uh, Calera Labs officially became my full-time job. That is awesome. I think I met Josh whenever, a long, long time ago, <laughs> um, <laughs> at one of the our WordPress Orlando meetups. And he's, to this day, still genuine and funny. And so when you were explaining that you guys were working together, it didn't surprise me because you guys are both very sweet people and he's super nice and relatable. and. I know sometimes in WordPress world or open source communities anyway, in general, when there's people who have names that are a little bit, you know, like larger or whatever, people sometimes get intimidated, but I've never felt that way about Josh at all. Um, I didn't even know, you know how you know, you meet somebody and you're like, oh, that's that person that worked on that thing, like maybe a year around. And then I was like, oh yeah, that, uh, you met Josh Pollock, who he is? <laughs> You're supposed to ask people names of these things. So yeah, I it's been super awesome to see this development and see how much Caldera Forms and Caldera Labs has grown, but especially Caldera Forms because it's, you know, like if anybody knows, it's really difficult in general to have a, a business in an open source platform because it expects, there's many expectations about cost and, and everything. So the fact that you guys have been pushing along now this is your full-time gig since june that's a really big deal that's super awesome oh so yeah and congrats to like being full-time now since june because it's still like all kind of new yeah mm -hmm. and um you know it's been a long time in development i think that's probably really common with entrepreneurs right like so many people um have this great idea and you work on it however you can right like at the same time as doing other things and then eventually like the holy grail is like this makes enough money where it can be my full-time income mm -hmm. um and someone else's in my case right mm -hmm. so um 
that's a really cool feeling. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> um, as far as um, the name thing, that's it's so funny that you mentioned that because um, I remember, you know, I met Josh um, through an event in Tallahassee, right? Um, so no WordPress thing. I've never been to a WordCamp. Um, no, I knew WordPress was a thing in the WordPress community, but you know, I was kind of outside of it. Um, and it was Josh who said, well, you should come to a WordCamp. And so we go to a WordCamp and all of a sudden I was like, you're working with Josh Pauly. And I like, go back to Josh, I'm like, um, are you a celebrity? Like, you <laughs> what? Yeah. True you know, story. And like, uh, well, no, 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 not at all. That's, you know, like people say that to troll me. I'm like, I think you're wrong. Like, I think you're actually a celebrity. Uh, and you're just being humble about it. So, you know. Humility's always good, though. Yeah. So what exactly led you to work with the open source community? And how has working in open source been beneficial to you? Well, you know, the story of how I stumbled into it, um, I told you that it's very um, function oriented, mm -hmm. right? So it wasn't like I caught the open source bug first and then figured out how to work within that, right? Um, and I keep that in mind when I think about my users, right? Like people aren't coming in because they're like, yeah, I really want to support a huge open source project like WordPress and another big one like Caldera Forms, right? They're coming in because they need something. They need to do something and they find a solution that just so happens to be open source because that's how I stumbled into it. And then in that event, right, where Josh was like, come to a WordCamp, I also went to my first contributor day, right? So it was like, it's like, weekend of revelations, right? Like one, oh my God, Josh is a celebrity. Number two, contributor <laughs> day <laughs> and open source and what it means, right? And it was just this really cool experience of going in to my first contributor, not really knowing what to expect, right? But I was at the conference, I wanted to get every um, every hour of it. And actually sitting back as they explained what contributor day was, right? Um, and they explained what um, WordPress as an open source project is and how anyone can give back and how you um, all everyone has a skill to offer um, and how this project's mission is to make publishing on the internet very available to us. And to me, that was already a very personal topic because um, with my other work, I did so much research on, you know, technology consumption um, and the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess the financial disparities among groups that consume technology where um, as opposed to create with technology, right? right? And so I sit in this room and they start talking about how WordPress is this open source project who can, whose mission is to be able to give the voice and power that comes with publishing on the internet as opposed to only consuming on the internet to anybody. Um, and at that point, my work took a different sort of meaning, right? Like, um, Josh was really funny on the talk. He's like, oh, you drank the Kool-Aid. Yes, I drank the Kool-Aid. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then exploring how we exist in these in this open source world and how we can be a company that gives back and that constantly keeps in mind that we have an open source community to thank for what we're doing and to support through what we're doing is important and really valuable. And 
is a part of our core vision and values so that we don't lose track of what we want to be right like i'm very passionate and josh is very passionate we don't want to be like you know that tech company that's like in italics right right (laughs) And, and being a part of the open source community and thinking about what kind of open source community citizen we are is really really important and honestly beautiful yeah i definitely um people tend to look in at open source if you're not in tech and you don't have any idea what it is um people tend to look at it in this little bubble of like the crazy hipster like wanting all the code to be free i think that's some of the portrayal in the early seasons of um silicon valley is that when he wanted to source, you know, the code to be open source, and they were like, "You just sound like a crazy person. You should be making money on this thing." And so, uh, oops, Josh saying you drank the Kool Aid. I often hear that from people who are like, "You're in tech, but you're kind of in this this bubble of people who want all things to be free, and that's not sustainable, and then that's that's not realistic." And I think it is obviously with WordPress now being thirty percent of the internet power powering the internet right now. There's something to say about open source being powerful and i'm sure you've talked about or studied or understand how open source projects are beneficial to people who are in communities or in a system or places where they don't have the financial backing to support you know larger more expensive software you know what i mean so oh my gosh there's so much to that it's um there's like the practical aspect of that and then like the very academic theoretical aspect to that right the practical being for example, a business like Caldera Labs, where our main product and main revenue generator is Caldera Forms, which is an open source plugin, right? And that is so hard to explain to people who have a cemented model of what a business model in software is supposed right. to be, right? Like, oh, oh so, so it's free so like just anyone can it's like yes but where does the value come from right because like it's oh if it's free then why does anybody pay you oh well they pay us because we're providing a free value free is not is, let me have an expression it's like not free isn't free beer free isn't yeah. freedom, right? what where's the value coming from right like the value is not coming from how good the lock on your software is the value is coming from what kinds of other revenue generating activities people can engage in due to your product right Right. and the value is coming into if they have a problem where do they go and what kind of systems does your organization have to solve that problem right like and so if you're able to massage out this preconceived notion of what a software business model is, then open source starts to make a lot more sense. And then, you know, there is the other like piece that's standing in between the academic and the practical that is like, you know, um, anyone who's ever used the internet knows that you can get things on the internet for free, even if you're not supposed to. Right. Um, We have a technological world in which when I send somebody 
a PDF. Now there are two copies of that PDF right. out in the world. So how many resources is your business going to spend on protecting this sort of intangible thing that can be easily duplicated, at least right now, right? And um, then we start to get into like the very, very academic part of it, right? Which is like when you flesh out those costs in a costing equation, I mean, and you think about the effect on customer satisfaction of things like DRM, and you think about all of that whole conversation, you really start to question like, well, you know, are we really doing the right thing by trying to keep software under lock and key uh, financially, right? Not even like spiritually, it's not like it's like, hey, be like, oh, software should be free or helping people, right? Um, but just does it actually make business sense or do we need to rethink our business model based on the nature of the good that we're selling? And um, then there's also like this whole conversation about intellectual property, right? Like our intellectual property system um, is so outdated right now and so ripe for abuse in so many interesting ways, um, right? Like you have conversations about patent trolls, you have mm-hmm. conversations about um, how copyrights don't really keep up with the nature of what code is like. Like you can copyright code, but like how, right? Um, and, um, you know, you start to get into a place where open source isn't just this like flowery thing that, um, you know, feels good and lets you put out software out there that lets people publish on the internet, but it's also a way to think about your business and your software business that makes you think about where value really comes from and figure out how to actually make money in the long run, right? Like when people, when everybody has figured out how to pirate your software. I'm from Peru. In Peru, you can go to Lima downtown and you can go into this like underground thing where you can talk to someone and get like, and buy every single piece of software pirated for like a dollar. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not saying saying that that's the nature of the good right and so we can't think well we need to protect it and protect it when you think like well where's the value actually coming from so that we're going to exist 10 years from now right that's like business strategy 101 so so many thoughts no i totally get it and um i think that's why people didn't own like copies of adobe creative suite like for you you know what i mean that's why they switched to creative cloud is because like literally there was maybe a handful of humans who could afford the 600 800 a thousand dollar plus software depending on what extensions you're getting to it the same with microsoft word the same with i mean office and all this other stuff so i definitely like that what you said about um working with open source makes you think about where the value comes from in your business so i think that's really important for people to just think about in general in terms of when you're creating a business model for your company. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and we're going to talk about being a woman of color in tech because that's everyone's favorite topic. Um, And we get asked about it 9,000 times on this show or in real life. Uh, Christy and I were on a panel led by Miriam Goldman last year um, at WordCamp New York and she's been going to different WordCamps and she was doing it. She did it this past, well, two weekends ago in Miami. Um, And it's interesting because the questions that are asked are sometimes really good questions. And then, you know, in other cases, people are just kind of afraid 
to ask anything. So what are some of the challenges that you faced and how do you use your platform, specifically like your brand personally outside of Caldera Labs to um, address the community and kind of challenge them to think differently? Um, it's funny because that's so true, right? Like people either ask really good questions or they're just like too afraid to say anything. And everything's just quiet. I didn't go to Miriam's panel in Miami, but I talked to her after and she said it went really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly for me right now, at the stage where I'm at, the biggest thing is, this is such a classic answer, but it's the lack of representation right i it's not theoretical for me to feel how odd it is to look at like you know say the leadership of all of our direct competitors and see no one that looks like me right right like that's very very real you hear people who work in the nonprofit spaces of um tech diversity tech diversity pipelines um sort of like talk about this theoretically but like that's like a constant thing that i'm living right it's like I want to seek mentorship in a very serious way right now. And that's actually something I'm working on. We're working on putting together sort of like an advisory council and a more formal structure um, for Caldera Labs. And it's tough because I would love to have someone that looks like me on that board, right? And I, I can't. Um, I'm going to have to look really hard and that's something that is really hard for a lot of people who aren't in that predicament to even conceptualize right because you look at the other people that are doing the thing that you're doing and they all look like you Mm -hmm. right so in this very intangible way it's sort of just like you know like if they can do it why couldn't you right and that's not what you feel when you look out at the leadership of all the direct competitors and indirect competitors and none of them look like you (laughs) and um that's real um that's very real it's not just an idea um but you know you get through it and like all things like closed-mindedness about open source like lack of diversity in tech it's changing it's totally changing Every day you see more and more people, more and more diverse groups put together things. Uh, You see a lot of efforts trying to change that effect uh, to varying degrees of success. And that's something I could talk about. But you see it changing, but, you know, change is gradual and slow. Um, So, you know, in that case, using the platform that I have and that we all have is really important, right? Like, I think it's so cool that you guys do this podcast. It's amazing, right? You're using your platform exactly for that. And for me, you know, I have this little company that's chugging along and there are so many opportunities for me to use the platform that is this company to make a difference in the issue of women of color in tech. And, you know, a big part of it is how we hire. Um, Josh and I have decided that we're going to hire 50% women at all times. And, you know, that's another reason that I love Josh is that this is important to him too. Um, Another thing that I can do that I am doing is um, supporting products by women, right? If the thing that 
is so difficult for me is to see that I look at other people who are creating WordPress first commercial products and I don't see a lot of people who look like me, then when I do, I need to get really excited about it and support them, right? So um, social, um, social Web Suite is um, a WordPress first product that just came out for social media scheduling um, that has a woman and in leadership, um, Tina. And so absolutely, we're signed up um, and we're using it and we're experimenting with it. Um, uh, WP SEO Hub is an SEO product that's WordPress first and it's headed by two women. We're absolutely using it, right? So there are forms, right? Um, and so these are ways in which I sort of address this with my platform. Um, my next big project in relationship to the company that has to do with this specific topic is we're actually putting together um, a very comprehensive uh, sexual harassment policy. Um, you know, we're a team of five, but the thing is, I don't want to think about this when it's a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and so we're um, talking with a sexual harassment lawyer and actually putting that together. And the reason that I think this is important is I don't see other companies exactly like mine that have women in leadership. Right. So that and if I'm making these commitments um, to who the staff and the vendors and et cetera are going to be and because I'm here, right, um, we are going to have to be proactive about not letting a bad culture develop. Right. Um, I don't see another company like me. So, of course, no other company is doing it. And that's super important to me to set the example and be that person. And um, again change is gradual right and it happens one company at a time so that's amazing i love that you are putting that together because you're right you really don't see that as like modern and progressive as so many like small businesses are and and just all businesses you really just don't see that put together very often no you don't um and again that's because historically right like we don't have people making those kinds of organizational cultural decisions um at that level right and like the reasons for that you know we could oh my god we can go way 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 back um right into thinking about pipelines and into thinking about how girls are talked to about technology you know um, we could go way down the line, but the fact of the matter is like that is a trickle of change mm -hmm. um, and it's not malicious, right? Like it's not like companies with men at the helm that don't have the comprehensive social harassment policies are, are immediately misogynistic. That's not true at all. What is true is that they don't have to think about this stuff. They're not faced with it every single day, right? Like. Um, and Javi, you know, there's like this like recurring joke on my Facebook profile of just like screenshots of all the emails I get that assume I'm not the boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so men don't get that, so they have to, they don't have to think about it, which like, great. I want to live in a world where no one has to think about this, mm -hmm. right? Um, but until we do, trickle change. Agreed. So what are some of the benefits of coming on as a partner in an already existing business? Um, they're massive. Um, I think that if I, and I have talked to groups of budding entrepreneurs, as opposed to established ones, mm -hmm. 
I always get that piece of advice of look for someone that's already doing something and needs you as opposed to trying to do it all yourself because I've done both and trying to do it all myself was very enriching right I learned a lot about myself I feel like I made a big difference I touched 150 lives but it was hard and doing it for the first time was confusing and you don't know anything and honestly it was kind of lonely right um there were a lot of times where my friends didn't really get what I was going through and it just kind of seemed like I was getting obsessed with my work and you know whereas when I met Josh um and we worked on something new together now that was a lot easier right and granted we had both learned from our first experiences and when we went into something that had already been worked on by one person but Josh said no I'm I love writing code I love open source I love Caldera forms, um, but I need to figure out how to market this thing better. It was like, oh, well, I know how to do that, but I don't necessarily know how to build a complex plugin from scratch, right? And so those complementary skills were the key to our success, right? Like there's um, there's a lot of um, chatter going on in my world right now about just like the things that venture capitalists are looking for right and the number one piece of advice that they say is like they want to see a team with complementary skills they want to see people that have found other people that kind of like complete them so to say right? it's like a weird marriage um there's just so many benefits and i would say that if you are the person who has the idea and wants to start the business, networking and meeting new people who you might want to work with is very valuable. It's just, I just can't understate how different it is to work with someone and it is to work by yourself. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I think, um, luckily for me, I've kind of sort of always been in a partnership. There's a few business things that I do that are that have no person and that's mainly because I'm like I just need to do creative stuff by myself and then I don't make any money um story <laughs> of my life <laughs> so I do think there is benefit you have somebody the complementary skills I definitely think that's a key to success and growing as a person you you constantly want somebody to challenge you um and I think having someone who's better at one thing versus you being better at one thing always forces you to challenge yourself to always keep up with what that partner is doing so mm-hmm. we you know had a we wrote our first plugin last year for a client it was kind of like a, a white label plugin thing that we did last year for the first time and that's crazy and i'm like knowing someone like josh and some of the other people who wrote plugins um in the community i'm like you do you did this all the time or you do this all the time like how do you do this blah blah, blah. um so i don't think people understand the amount of technical know-how that is required to do that and as a person who like you know the developers who genuinely love code and open source and things like that it's really difficult for them to go into that space to market themselves and that's why so many people end up burned out or at you know companies that are bigger than them because they just want to do the thing uh but it's nice when you can do the thing that you love doing and then also find somebody who can make it sustainable (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I definitely think that we're gonna start seeing an influx influx of people um, who are starting partnerships or you know even working with like three or four people to start up because I feel like solo entrepreneurship is really really hard and I feel like up until recently there hasn't been uh, as much space to like openly talk about it and so now everybody's kind of coming to the same conclusion like this is really difficult and I think when most people work on like let's say like a side project or something like that with a partner they get to see those benefits like I work alone like day to day but I have like side projects with other people and I see just how much benefit there is to working with another person especially like we all have our areas where we're weaker and stronger so it's like finding somebody that you know, maybe fills in those gaps for you is it's just like life changing. Um, so I definitely think we're going to see kind of people switching gears to kind of do partnerships more. I absolutely think that's true. And, you know, it's like it's one of those things that is going to happen because solo entrepreneurship, like it's not a thing, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, no you one, can't. No <laughs> like, it's, not, it's not real. You know, like that, that's the thing. It's not real. And I think for a long time, like I know when I started out, I thought it was real because I would look at other people and like they would be on social media and like there wasn't there wasn't that narrative yet of being honest. You know what I mean? So everybody just acted like they were doing it all. And I was like, wow, how am I continuing to fall short? Like I'm failing. That's the way that I looked at it. But now it's like, you know, there's more authenticity like across the board in all different, you know, industries of business. And I feel like people come out and say like, yeah, this is, this is not something I'm doing alone. Like from day one, I've always had something else or someone else, whether it's, you know, paying someone else to do certain tasks or what, you know, what have you, like no one can really completely do it alone. Yeah, that has been one of my newer epiphanies, so to say, right, has been, oh, um, the way that I grow a business is I just figure out how to make money and then I pay other people to do everything I'm doing. True. (laughs) Yeah. It's life truth. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, so you are doing a lot of traveling right now. Like you, um, before we got on, you were talking about you're never at your house um so do you feel traveling has really helped you as an entrepreneur and the same do you feel the same way about public speaking because you've been doing a lot of work camps or different speaking gigs as well yeah both of those things are helping me as a human which as a result are helping me as an entrepreneur right um i am traveling a lot um my 2018 project so to say is to follow the word camps and um try to hit as many as possible and talk to people and really use um, the opportunities that have been laid out in front of me um, to their fullest potential, right? Those opportunities being, well, first of all, right, like Caldera Labs, a completely remote company, huge opportunity. Um, The other opportunities being, I am at a point in my personal life where such a thing is feasible, right? Um, For example, if I had a kid, that wouldn't be true, right? Um, Or it could be, but it would take a lot more money. Um, if I, you know, heaven forbid, had um, a problem with my health, right? So I'm taking note of the fact that I'm in this really advantageous place to travel right now and taking advantage of it. Um, so yeah, 2018, um, my, my mission for this year is to do that. And what's really fantastic is that I can sort of follow WordPress events around the world, right? And think of that as the goal rather than just like get into like the full on consuming travel type deal. Um, 
And then on top of that, right, like that's very mixed with public speaking because what I'm effectively doing is I'm following like potential conferences that are going on, right? Um, so both of those things are really fun. Um, they're also super exhausting, right? Like um, <laughs> I started joking around I don't know, last month, I was like, all the travel bloggers are lying. You cannot work and travel. It is not a thing. <laughs> not when you have a real company that has real stressors and real problems, you know, um, because it's pretty tough to be on the road a lot um, and to, you know, not be in the same place and in your house and with your pets. Um, but I think I'm getting a lot out of it because I'm getting a lot of personal inspiration out of it right um like I you know grew up I was born in Lima Peru I was raised by a single mom in North Broward County um which is about 45 minutes north of Miami um not exactly the like nicest place to grow up in the world um and I did not think that I was going to get a chance to like take off and travel for work right like that just didn't really seem feasible until not too long ago and so challenging that assumption is really good for my brain right because I'm effectively teaching myself to challenge what I thought the ceilings were through travel and public speaking on top of doing the travel and the public speaking about the work that I'm doing. So it's all like this giant feedback loop of like things that are possible, things that you didn't think are possible are possible, which means that other things that you currently think are impossible will also be possible. And that's a really powerful thing to do for yourself as a human, which then translates into entrepreneurship. I feel the same way when I travel. I mean, I, I started out like, just doing small trips around Florida. Like I couldn't really afford to get out of Florida for a long time. And then last year, like I made a goal for myself to travel um, like every other month and it was, it happened. Um, and so, yeah, it is. It's like one of those things that you really don't see yourself like, you know, traveling all the time and like going to Europe and things like that. And when it happens, you're just like, Wow. Also, I can definitely uh, agree that it can be really tiring as well. Though <laughs> that's like, like I, I was so happy, like that I reached my travel goal, and then I was just kind of like, I'm exhausted now. And like right now, like I'm gearing up, like to go do a gig, like in Miami next month, and I'm like tired just thinking about that, and that's not even far. But <laughs> it's just like it is. It gets really, really tiring. And my brother travels for work all the time, and he's been doing it for about five years now. So now he hates traveling. So I'm just like mindful to not get to that point. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I so know what you mean. It's shocking how exhausting it can be. I think it was a work at Miami and someone like sort of made this joke. They're like, yeah, I would love to like take my work remote and travel, you know, but I want to do it like in luxury, you know, where I'm never tired. Yeah. Well, you know, when, yes, <laughs> someday. That's like, yeah, that, that's the dream, but it's like, I haven't figured it out. Even when I try travel for fun, like I'm still like, you still come back. Like you need like a vacation from your vacation. Like mm -hmm. you're still exhausted when you get back. Cause there's just a lot that goes on in travel. So yeah, I'm like, I, I just, I try to be mindful of like, okay, I don't want to get to a point where I hate it. Cause my brother's at that point, unfortunately, he cannot enjoy 
like trips at all, whether they're personal or business, because he's just taken so many business trips, he's like over it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is, it's, especially when you came from humble beginnings. It's it's one of those things. Even in those moments where you're really tired and you're in like a hotel for you know however many nights living out of your suitcase, like you can remember, like there was a point in time where I couldn't really get anywhere. So this is quite amazing. Yes, absolutely. So why is it important for people in tech specifically to give back to the community? Well, for us, as an example, it's important because the community is the reason we exist, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's such a corny thing to say, but it's completely true. We would not have a business if WordPress wasn't a thing and WordPress is a community project. And we would also not have a business if people didn't build with WordPress and then need things from us. So when your business is completely based on the fact that there's a community supporting an aspect of your business, you need to give back to that community. So that's true for WordPress, but that is also true for literally everyone else, right? Like if you're a brick and mortar business, your success is dependent on the ability of your local community to come to your business and spend, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you are a business that benefits from being in a really great location like let's say you get lots of foot traffic from being around a beautiful park it is your responsibility to help maintain the beauty of that park right it's not just your um human responsibility but it's like literally your financial responsibility and i think that that is an interesting conversation that's evolving really quickly right like this idea that um businesses have a corporate social responsibility to fulfill. Um, And I don't think that a lot of the efforts that I see go far enough. I want to see them go a lot farther and really take in mind that there is no business at all that doesn't benefit from some sort of external thing um, that they need to be giving back to. So... I love that analogy about the park because I think that is something that people can visualize and I, you know, we have these conversations all the time about why we give back to the community and what we do and it's in our values, it's on our website and people always ask about it and that's one of the reasons why we book a lot of the clients we do is because we talk about what we give back. Um, But I think that analogy of if your business is in front of a beautiful park, it is your responsibility to make sure that park remains beautiful and I think people should think of the giving back to the communities that they're in because you your business exists in some type of community whether you like it or not or you don't think you do it is yeah it's totally in a community so it's definitely your responsibility to make sure that community is the best that it is Mm -hmm. and with me that topic is so solid right it's not an option right (laughs) it's not a nice thing to do it's not an extra thing it's literally your responsibility because without this thing you would not have a business and I think that's important (laughs) I feel like I have a lot more people in every industry thought of it that way not as like oh that's nice that you're doing that but like no that's just what you do period like that would revolutionize (laughs) so many industries it really would Definitely. So you do, um, like all of us here in this podcast, we, we talk a lot about social injustice. It has not impacted yeah. my business at all. And I know people ask us, I don't know, Charisma, how people ask you, but I know they ask me all the time. Like, why do you get to talk about that? Why do people still pay you? How do you still have a business? And you're talking about, you know, people getting shot and police brutality and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And 
So I wanted to talk to you, Christy, because I know you also are very vocal on Twitter, on Facebook about social injustice and speaking out. And has that affected your business in any ways? And if so, positive or negative, if you wanted to share. I love this question so much because yes, it has impacted my business and we talk about this issue all the time, but I still maintain and will continue to maintain that speaking out for what you believe in is true and good and correct. And, you know, the first thing about that is when you're doing something on the internet, like there's always going to be someone on the internet that criticizes you, right? Yeah, <laughs> true. It's the internet. They're, they, that will never stop. Everyone's on the internet and they all think they're right and they're all hiding behind their keyboards. Whatever, right? Um, and don't get me wrong, like I read a lot of, say, criticism or different or different opinions and like very seriously consider and think like, well, what is this about? Well, what's going on? Like research it. But when it comes to like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything about like what I believe in or what I'm passionate about online because it might affect my business. I'm like, <sighs> you know, like I, I don't necessarily know that I agree with that because at the end of the day, especially in the kind of work that we do, and again, this is becoming more and more the case, who we are as people and who we are as business people are becoming very mixed together, right? So when we're doing business, you're going to know who I am in all aspects of me, right? And I'm not going to refuse service because you think something different than me, but I'm also not going to pretend that I'm a sterile business person that doesn't have opinions other than contact form plugins because it might affect my business. And that's sort of how I approach that um, as how it affects the business. You know, we have a big user base. Um, we sent a not nice email about President Donald Trump after the election. And it was like, you know, a whatever email, but it had like a joke at the bottom and like several people reacted really poorly to that. And that is just what's going to happen, right? When you profess an opinion in that way. Um, but Josh and I have talked about that a lot and we have thought about how we actually want people to know what kind of company we are, mm -hmm. right? Like our values are important to us. Um, the things that we stand for, the things that we believe to be right, um, are so closely tied with why we're doing this in the first place, right? Like, why is Josh an incredibly talented and in-demand engineer um, doing what he's doing? And, you know, I say this all the time, I'm like, I, you know, could be working in business consulting somewhere and, like, probably be doing financially, you know, however. And why are we not doing it? Well, because we have these values that are really important to us that make us believe that open source is what we need to be furthering, that make us believe that um, the work that we do with Caldera Forms is powerful and makes a difference in the lives of users um, and that we love what we do and that so much of that is motivated by what we believe we're doing, right? Like all of this conversation about women of color in tech, I think that I can significantly push the needle by doing what I'm doing and just being me, right, in a way that I could in a different setting. So I'm not going to separate that passion, that motivation from my messaging of the business because it's all one and the same, right? So 
if we speak up about net neutrality, if we speak up about things that we don't think are right, um, and that costs us users, that sucks. But I'm also not that, 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 that upset about it because I'm doing this for these reasons. Mm -hmm. And for example, we have talked about um, the sexual harassment policy and we have talked about how there will almost certainly be a negative reaction of some degree to that, right? Like there's going to be someone out there that is going to say, this company is virtue signaling and they are imposing feminist beliefs on us and they are, you know, whatever. And we're going to say, yes, yes, we are. <laughs> because, because we are a company that is um, led by a woman and staffed 50% by women. And so we don't exist without these women. And so we're going to put forth a policy that says um, customers, vendors, and other employees' leadership, um, we are a feminist organization. Um, I can't separate the fact that I think that's important from how I run my business. So as a result, I can't separate whether I talk about that or not. And if that offends people, I'm happy to have a discussion about it. And if that leads to like insults and harassment, the internet has a block button. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I don't really understand how people can separate themselves from it. And I guess if you are coming from a certain point of privilege, then maybe that's something that you can do. And, and I still don't think you should choose to do it, but you know, that's someone else's choice. But for me, I'm just like, at the end of the day, like I am who I am. And it's, it's something that anybody that works with me, I don't think someone's going to want to work with me if they don't share my beliefs, because honestly, my beliefs, I don't think are, are really that radical, like that people are all equal and should be, you know, taken care of and we should take care of people, you know, in our country and whoever else we can and just kindness and, and, you know, that sort of thing. Like, I, I don't think that those are like radical ideas to like be kind to people and, and expect equality. So, you know, with that being said, it's like if somebody isn't okay with those ideas and doesn't want to work with me because of it, I'm like, great, that's wonderful because you're not the client that's meant for me, you know? So what do you have any tips for other women of color who are looking to get into the tech field? Because I know right now um, it's pretty much there's a big push for women to get into it, which I think is great. And um, I mentor a few young women who have asked this question a lot. Um, and so do you have any tips for them when they're really just first getting started? I think that finding those mentors is really important. And I think that that's important because I didn't do that. And I think there was a big mental block for there. I had a really hard time identifying as a woman in tech, <laughs> like, which like sounds ridiculous, right? But like there was so much of me that was like, oh no, you know, like I went to business school and this and that, right? And I had to turn that mindset around and be like, wait a second though, like I was making websites when I was 14, right? Like I was um, selling things on eBay when Sofia Maruso was doing it, right? Like I was like, come on, you know? And so shifting that mindset, like actually saying like, oh, I'm a woman in tech and I should meet other women in tech um, is actually more challenging than a lot of people would say, 
and then you find yourself going really far before you're like i need to meet other people like me oops and so i think that for women who are just starting out um especially because it's such a large conversation right now finding those circles of mentorship and support um are really important um finding those best friends that get what you're doing is important um and then helping other people get into these circles and feel confident and grow and support each other um is probably one of the greatest things that we can do because as far as the technical aspects of this right like all the resources are out there um you can learn you can find um study groups you can find the roles you can build products you can build teams but there is a social component to it that we still need to really flesh out and i would just love to see um newer and old people doing that a little more i definitely agree and i know um Winstina and a couple of other the ladies in New York are taking initiative into having Women of WordPress in New York be kind mm-hmm. of a platform for mentorship. And I think that's such a, it sounds really small, but on a big scale in terms of an active community locally and a space for women and women of color in general, people who identify as fem- female, I think it's important for there to be a safe space for people to talk about the issues. And I know my experiences in in WordPress specifically outside of tech in general aren't so much that I've experienced a lot of, you know, negative feedback, but I also don't have a product. <laughs> I am a service-based business and I we're not a WordPress company. We just happen to use WordPress sometimes. So I don't have the same experiences as someone who are who is someone like you or someone else who is you know, the face of an actual plugin or, you know, a platform that people use often. And if they have an opinion about something or, you know, using the statement that we are a feminist company is a really big deal. That is a serious, like, you know, not to say it's like a commitment or it's difficult for you, but as a, as a company, you don't see that often. You don't see that, especially in tech, you don't see that a company declares themselves and they say, for right, like, hey, we are a feminist company, we support feminist values, and we're taking these steps A, B, and C to put in this, you know, sexual harassment policy. And when you're a 100% remote company, people don't think about that outside of it being more male generated. It's just that it's 100% remote. And so therefore, there's a lack of responsibility and have that's why people tend to generate more towards remote companies because they're like oh if it's remote then nothing bad will happen and it's like what happens when you travel you know what i mean because you guys are going to see each other eventually or you communicate and if what if somebody says something that's off you know off cuff and offensive or negative that still counts as some type of harassment so i really uh do applaud you guys for really taking the step and making those statements and i think it's important for people who are listening to hear and understand that that's something that you can do as a business owner and as a woman of color you are always a woman of color. You can't hide <laughs> being a woman of color. So it de- definitely affects you. So I agree with finding your mentors. I didn't have any mentors coming into this as well. And much like you, I was on MySpace doing layouts when Sophia Amoruso was selling on eBay. And that was my my hustle. Um, so girl boss literally means nothing to me. We talk about it all the time. <laughs> We're like the only podcast that doesn't tell people to read that book. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think, yeah, finding your mentors because it's easier. It's easier to have people who look like you to talk to you about what you can do. And you don't have to be a developer to be in tech. And I think that is so important because I think women 
tend to freak out or they feel like their voices aren't valued so much as coming from a place of finance or project management. You, you feel like you're not as technical or you're not as important in the tech community. And that is not true at all. You are 100% just as important as a person who builds the thing. So, mm-hmm. And not only that, but there's also an aspect of um, it's not like magic, right? Right. <laughs> part of a huge part of what I had to do coming into WordPress commercial WordPress products and just like diving to the deep end of the pool was like learn what was going on right and it's not magic right? <laughs> no no and, um, you know that these are really big mental lockers to just kind of overcome yeah definitely so Christy what are you working on and what should we look forward from you and Caldera Labs that you can talk about <laughs> in oh, man. upcoming months. So much, so much. But we are working on making Caldera Forms better, as always. Um, we are working on lots and lots of cool improvements to the Caldera Forms Pro platform, which is the premium version of Caldera Forms uh, plugin that incorporates a ton of cool stuff that's already out there. Um, like we take care of um, email sending for you so that you don't have to install an SMTP plugin. We take care of um, customizations of emails. All that stuff's already out there, but we're coming out with a bunch of cool new things. We're um, incorporating anti-spam um, automatically into the new version of Caldera Forms Pro. We're coming out with um, an update to the free plugin um, this week um, that has that anti-spam um, incorporation for Pro as the main feature and also like a whole bunch of fixes. Um, as far as non-Caldera forms things that we're working on, well, I told you about that um, harassment policy that we're working on. Um, I'm working on this travel and speaking thing. So I will be, oh my goodness, in so many places. I will be in London. At the beginning of April, um, and oh wait a second, let me check Twitter. Am I allowed to announce this yet? Oh yes, I will be speaking in Belgrade at WordCamp Europe. Ooh, exciting! <laughs> so, yeah, lots of fun things, and um, just moving forward with, um, you know, WordPress. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't even know if I can talk about the the camp that I'm going to at the end of April yet. I know somebody did, and I was like, I don't know if I can talk about it yet, but I will be somewhere in the end of April, so I'll <laughs> let the internet figure it out when it's available. It might be open now. I have not been on Twitter, so um, yeah. totally there with you on, on travel. I will not be in Europe, though, so that's exciting, and you guys will be super fun and excited about WordCamp EU. I know um, some of my friends didn't get to go, or they're talking and accepted, but I... I like hearing about the work camps outside of U.S. And I know um, WordCamp London is really all about, like, making sure it's as inclusive. And it's really, like, the camp that I, I idolize in a little bit because of the way that they've incorporated childcare and just making Ooh. sure it's super, you know, inclusive. And in that being inclusive, therefore, makes it diverse. And it's one of the work camps that people really look forward to. Um, so I'm sure you're going to have the very best time. Mm. I'm really excited about it. It'll be cool. And it's my first time in Europe, so I'm excited. Oh, my <laughs> oh you're going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like sad coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Especially now. <laughs> uh, 
that's amazing though. I can't believe they have childcare. That's so amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. Beautiful. They're really awesome. Well, thank you so much, Christy, for coming on our podcast. And yes, thank you. Rundown.